Welcome to the King's Anywhere podcast, inspirational teaching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. So would you turn with me to John chapter 4? There will be notes, just not yet. Okay? So John chapter 4. We're going to look at the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. So we're going to read from verse 4. So Jesus uh, went back to Galilee. He'd been all over the place. He'd left Judea. And it says this. Now he had to go through Samaria. Now, pause at the end of that sentence, okay? The Jews and the Samaritans didn't get on. They just didn't. That's why the story of the Good Samaritan is such an interesting one. Because that's kind of the point that Jesus is making. Okay, the Jews and the Samaritans just didn't get on. There was a massive disagreement about where they should worship. The Jews were passionate about saying that worship needs to happen in Jerusalem at the temple. That's where it happens. The Samaritans, well, no, they had their own mountain in Samaria where where worship happened. And so that really was the heart of it. How do you worship? How do you worship God? It's interesting, isn't it, that... Here we are, 2,000 years later, and people still fall out over that big question. But the Jews and the Samaritans just didn't get on. Big tension, big issue, big racial tensions, big religious tensions. So carry on. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, whoa, pause, why is she drawing water at noon? If you've ever been on holiday to a hot country, or you've lived in a hot country, you will know that noon is not the time to be out and about, unless you're just going to lie in the sun and just go like that, tan me, okay? You don't want to be out at noon, certainly not getting water. There's a reason she's out at that point. And I want to suggest to you right now at the very start of this that she's out at that point because she's hiding. She doesn't want to be seen. She doesn't want the people in her community to interact with her. She's hiding. Hiding in plain sight. Okay? Carry on. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food so that they weren't there. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. She doesn't just say, I'm a Samaritan she doesn't just say, I'm a woman. She says, I'm a Samaritan woman. Two reasons that they shouldn't be talking to one another. How can you ask me for a drink? And then just to be clear, John says, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. <laughs> it's almost as if they want to make it loud and clear. These two people don't get on. Like, it's just bang, 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 bang. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you've got nothing to draw with and the well's deep. How can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did all his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
the woman said to him, so give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She didn't get it. She has no clue what he's talking about. She thinks he's just saying, you won't have to come to the well and get water out anymore. Just doesn't get what he's talking about. He told her, go and call your husband and come back. (laughs) It's like he's fishing. He knows what's going on. He's asking that question for a reason. Sir, the woman said, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, here we go, this is like the drop the mic moment. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. He almost imagined Jesus like walking away, do you know what I mean? It's like, it, it makes the point. It doesn't say why she's had five husbands. We don't know. We immediately go to, she must have had four of hers. It's where, where my head goes. You immediately think, what has she done wrong? She's messed up here. She's, she's done, hang on, she might have five husbands because her four previous husbands have died. This might not be a woman who's messed up and who's you know, gone and caused all kinds of problems or experienced all kinds of different simple behaviors or whatever you might look at it as. This might be a broken woman whose life has been torn apart time after time after time. We don't know. The only bit that we do know is, yeah, but the bloke you're with now is not your husband. It's almost as if at that point, I think, is where Jesus is saying, yeah, but we've got to talk about this bit. We assume, don't we? We put our, our reading onto the story. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they're the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and truth. Then this is just as huge. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I might be wrong. I've been wrong before. Like I said before, I support Everton. I'm wrong most Saturday afternoons. Okay, But I can't think of an example before this where Jesus outright says that he's the Messiah. I can't think of one. He's chosen to give the bombshell story, the key piece of information, to a woman, blokes don't speak to women, cultural, a Samaritan, the Samaritans didn't get on with the Jews, a woman who is already highlighted has got some sin issues going on in her life. That's where he starts. That's incredible. I think that is amazing. She is the person that everyone else would have said, what are you doing? She is the person that Jesus chooses. That's remarkable. That has to impact what we think. And then you can just imagine the scene, can't you? Then the disciples come back. (laughs) The disciples returned, were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? how do we know they were amazed? Because they were obviously talking to each other. 
there's a little bit, you might remember this, Isaac. We talked about this bit in youth a little while ago, but I don't know if you remember. But there's a bit in one of the stories of Jesus where he turns around to his disciples when they get into one of the houses. And he says, what were you arguing about on the road? <laughs> and I, I love it because it's like he doesn't challenge it at the time. They have all this going on thinking that he's not even noticed. He clocks it all. And then when there's a quiet bit, he turns around and says, what was that all about? Um, so I'm sure Jesus was aware of what they were thinking. Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town, made their way towards him. I bet some didn't. Especially if four of them five wasn't because something horrible had happened. <laughs> but they were like, Whoa, I'm not going. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I've got food to eat that you know nothing about. So then the story rolls on. And in verse 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. This story is just so, I just think it's, it's, it's massive, it's mammoth. Because we talked earlier, didn't we, about the whole apartheid stuff in South Africa. We talked about how people were rejected and were turned away and were, were just left on the edges of society and people would have ignored them. The question that we didn't get to at the end, I want you just to, I want you to think in, in, in your, your own rhetorical thoughts for a minute. That question of who are the people who the church reject now? I wonder who, who you would think. I wonder who you would think. Just put the next slide for me, please, Sarah, because does God love everyone? Do we believe that God loves everyone? Or do we actually believe that God loves everyone? Because if we do, that has to impact how we live. It has to. We, we can't say that and it not change what we do. We can't. We, we just, it doesn't fit to say that God loves everyone and yet we ignore some. It just doesn't fit. I'm leaving blanks here. I'm intentionally leaving blanks for you to fill the, the gaps yourself. As to who are those people? John 13, verse 35. There's lots of Bible in here, which is probably better than me, to be fair. Well, there's no probably. <laughs> John 13, 35. It says, I should have brought my glasses. I forgot I need glasses. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Of course, God loves everyone. He does. Do we love everyone? Or do we have in our own thoughts, in our own minds, in our own experience, second-class citizens? Do we have people who we love less than others? Are we, as the church in Britain, known for what we are for or known for what we are against? Was Jesus known for what he was for or was he known for what he was against? Jesus didn't seem to have a problem going speaking to the person who everyone else was saying you shouldn't be talking to. He got on with it. He just went and spoke with her. 
One of Jesus' nicknames, which you've, you've heard us say before, was friend of sinners. He never called himself that. But he also never corrected people when, when people said that. Oh, you're a friend of sinners, aren't you? I think he loved it. I think he loved the fact that he was known for being with the people that everyone else was saying you shouldn't be with. Do we welcome everyone? Next slide, Sarah. Do we welcome everyone? Or do we... We, we had a, a thing a uh, couple of weeks back now where we got a message uh, at work uh, to say that Russell Beardsmore and some other guy... I don't know his name. Um, So Russell Beardmore used to play for Man United. He's the head of the scholarship at Man United. And we got this message. Russell Beardsmore and his mate are coming to our training ground on Thursday. Um, They're coming to to observe our training environment and look at how we train young players. Honestly, I have never seen that training environment cleaned as much in the two days between that message and Man United coming to learn from Saints. (laughs) I like that sentence. I'm going to say that again. Man United coming to learn from saints. It was like, and there was, there was a point where I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing this weeding in like this, these like flower things, which have got no flowers in other than weeds. There's literally a tree and weeds. And as I pulled the first few out, I'm stood in them and I'm pulling them out. And I suddenly discovered that this was not just a big flower bed. This was also one of the world's biggest ants' nests. As now I've got ants crawling on my legs and I'm, kicking them off as I'm getting all this stuff out. And something struck me. Why am I doing this? Because, you know, some mid-table football team uh, <laughs> are coming to observe the world champions. Why, why am I doing this? And I know I'm, I'm intentionally being a bit jokey, but the, the point that struck me was, I'm doing this because someone else is coming in. Why am I not doing this for the lads and girls who are here every day? what's so different in my thinking that I'm prepared to do it for them and I'm not prepared to do it for for the people who use it all the time? It really struck me. Our head coach came out. He goes, oh, great, that chappers. I said, mate, I'm I'm gutted. He said, why? I said, I'm stood here. I said, I'm close to tears. He said, why? I said, why am I doing this for them and I've not done it for these already? And he went, outstanding, that chappers. And it's like, and he, and he walks off, but it bugged me. I've been walking around, I'm on a one-man mission against weeds. I'm walking around, shooting every weed I see for the last, like for the last two weeks. And then add to it, they didn't even flipping come. Um, but <laughs> they cancelled Adidas, did something, they had a better offer. But, but it just, I actually said so well, though. so the coach said, I had a feeling they wouldn't come. He said, why? I said, because I think this was about us learning something. And he was like, you could be right there, mate. You could be right. Do we actually welcome everyone? Or if I were to say, King Charles is coming next Sunday, would the place look different? Would our welcome look different? Who are the people on the edges of our society? I want to suggest to you that it would include people who are, um, maybe some of the people who we see who are living on the streets. If they walk through the door, would we welcome them? Yes, we would. Absolutely, we would. Please, God, let them come. Throw something out. Please, God, let us go. How about if it was someone who was questioning gender identity? How would we feel about that? Would we welcome them? Would we love them? How about if it's someone who's questioning their sexuality? Would we love them? 
Would we welcome them? How about if it's someone who has committed a crime? Would we welcome them? Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? This is the person with the AK-57 around you. But, but yeah, no, it's, a, it's an interesting point. It's an interesting point. Because... Mm-hmm. Very good point. Very good point. And it brings me to what I was going to say. Which is that by welcome, God loves us as we are. But he loves us too much to leave us as we are. God takes us on a journey. So if someone comes in who's committed a crime and they're a, they're a risk, they're a threat, then of course you welcome the person, but you put safeguards and protection around. Our safeguarding setup is vital. If you don't know about the safeguarding stuff, look online, read it. Okay? It's on our website. Look at it. So I'm not saying let's just be risky. But what I am saying is, let's see the person behind the behavior. Let's love the person. Surely that's what God asks us to do. Final point. Last slide, please. Uh, Well, penultimate slide. There's a very big difference between conviction and condemnation. Very, very big difference. Okay? We're called to invite and welcome everyone. Everyone. I love the fact that in in a previous um, shape of missional community that we we were leading, that we had um, a lesbian couple who were part of of the group. Love it. They felt at home, cared for, loved, supported. And I remember having a conversation with one of those people who said, I know you'll never marry us in in your church because I know that you you wouldn't do gay marriage and that kind of stuff. And she's right, we, we wouldn't. But what she said is, I have never felt so loved and cared for as I do in this group. Surely that's our goal. Love people. Care for people. Welcome people. Let God deal with their journey and support them on that journey. Sometimes you've got to make tough calls in leadership. Sometimes you've got to make tough calls. There are times when you've got to say, look, you are, you are welcome to be part of what we're doing. I'm not going to put you on stage right now. But you are welcome to be part of everything that we're doing. Because if you put someone onto, into a public arena when you know that there's stuff going on in their life which is just out there wrong, terrible, out hot, like just not even terrible, just stuff which you know is openly sinful wrong. It's like putting someone into a battle with no armor on. We've got to protect people in that journey. But the point that I'm making is it is not our job to condemn. It's not. If it's conviction, Holy Spirit will put his finger on something and he'll say, let's talk about that, shall we? And he'll help us on that journey to to change discipleship, grow, live as he would have us live. That's conviction. That's what Holy Spirit does. Condemnation almost is that feeling of, I must have done something wrong. (laughs) You know, when you're driving down the road and there's a police car behind you and you think, I must be breaking some law. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? When you're driving, you drive at 29 miles an hour. When they've gone, you follow the speed guidelines, limits, 
limits. Um, condemnation is that horrible feeling of, I am horrible, I'm wrong, I'm, I'm a mess. I just don't do things right. That's condemnation. That's not God. Conviction is, let's deal with this. And that's Holy Spirit. And our role, I want to suggest to you as the church, as followers of Jesus, is to love people, welcome people, regardless. Let God highlight what he wants to change and support them and care for them through that journey. That's my suggestion. I think that's it. So final slide. Don't forget, people matter to God. We are called to love. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. Our role is to care for and support people through the process. And final thought. When the woman at the well went back to the town and she told them her story, there was an incredible outbreak of people following Jesus. Could it be that actually some of the people that we've just just not welcomed, big picture, I'm not talking here, but I am also talking here, could it be that there might have been key people to see an entire community of people one for Jesus? If Jesus decided to ignore the woman at the well, I don't know what happens to the town of Sychar. But because he welcomes her, loves her, highlights the issue, encourages her to change, she tells her story. A whole town, there's a move of God there. There's a connection between this stuff and your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your compassion, for your incredible favor towards us. God, I pray that you will help us, help me, help each of us to see the world through your eyes. To see the people of the world through your eyes. To love the people of the world as you love them. Help us to lose the them and us mindset and just see us children of God loved by God just uh, while everyone's eyes are closed headspace I'm not going to ask you to respond it's not a put your hand up thing it's just a bit of headspace I want you to think as I was preparing this stuff and thinking about it that thing of conviction condemnation was really big in my thoughts um, so that, that, like I say, this is not a please put your hand up thing. This is a headspace thing. But if you are feeling that, that sense of God's got his finger on something specific and he's saying, let's talk about that, then that's conviction and that's okay. That could well be God. But if you are just living your life with that feeling of, I'm just... I'm just a mess. I'm horrible. That's not God. You're a child of God, loved by God. So if that's you, if you're living with that pressure, that tension, then I just want you in your own thoughts, in your own mind, just to just chat with God for a little bit. Just ask him to set you free 
from that which isn't him. God, help us to live hearing your conviction, living as disciple, free from condemnation. I break it off you in Jesus' name. Live free, people. Live in the freedom that God's got for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.